Can I tell you the story of the world's saddest Earth Day? Please do. Uh, so I got home. I, th- I think this was a Saturday, but I got home after a long day, ready to relax, um, thinking of uh, either watching Charlie Rose or uh, mixing a mimosa, um, the usual Saturday night fair. And then I noticed inside the uh, activity app of the Apple Watch or the iPhone that there's a badge to be earned if you do a 30-minute workout uh, on Earth Day. So I proceeded at 10 o'clock at night to do the most half-assed 30-minute saunter uh, around (laughs) my apartment. Um, Oh, you didn't even go outside. Well, it's 10 o'clock, and it was cold. Hold on. So you, I thought I knew where the story was going, but no, it's, hmm. it's, it's, it's the sadder one. Yeah. So, so you, you started the, the workout app mm-hmm. and you set it to walking, which indoor, is fine. An indoor walk. And then here's the thing. Wait, there's an, um, in, there's an indoor walk setting. There is where it doesn't huh. use the GPS. And then I was like, in like 20 minutes into this incredibly <laughs> half-assed artificial, uh, walk around my 600 square foot apartment <laughs> over and over again um i'm like oh shit it says it's earth day and it says it's encouraging me to go outside what if it only counts if i did outdoor walk and i'm doing this for nothing so well what did it do it gave me credit for it but i can't tell if this makes me uh, a fraud or an idiot well the or only both. thing well a little bit of column a a little bit of column b um people people won't know that it was that was before the before we started recording um, the only way that you could have made that sadder or, or more interesting, I guess, depending on your perspective would have been if you set the indoor walking to start and then you just sat down for 30 minutes and then stopped it or like maybe took a couple of steps and then immediately sat back down. I bet it still would have given you the badge. No, no even I have that amount of integrity. And again, I, and I only bring this up because I, I say this jokingly, because here's something I honestly didn't think it would give me the badge. I assume it would have, like, it has probably, like, fraud or BS detection, but, you know, maybe that's just Apple's quality control. Who knows? Well, yeah, I, I yeah, it, it was it was a little disappointing, but I really wanted that stupid badge. Because I remember even on Thanksgiving, I went and ran a 5K, like, like a dummy, just because of some 512 by 512 image asset file inside of iOS told me to do it. Yeah, scheduling conflicts prevented me. Like, I, I would say that I'm, I actually kind of do want those badges as they come up, but scheduling conflicts prevented me from doing the Thanksgiving one and then this Earth Day one too. Uh, but the one that I did go after was the. Um, there was a New Year's one, right? Yeah, it was the New Year's one, which is where you had to, I think it was thr- fill all three activity rings for every day of the week. So I made sure to do that one. Uh, t- t- you earn the special achievement by closing all three activity rings each day for a full week in January 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not bad. Yeah. All right. I really hope this doesn't reflect negatively on me. If it does, you shut it out. But <laughs> no, there's, just... there's, there's so much that negatively reflects on us in the show. What, what difference does it make? No, you're normally pretty sane. I, I'm usually, uh, no. But yeah, no, it was, it was, I don't know, I, I thought, like, had I known earlier in the day, I would have done legitimate exercise, because I, I'm not, I, like, I, last year I ran 400 miles, I mean, but I've been, this, this was pretty disappointing, because um, here's the thing, it was 10 o'clock at night, and I didn't want to make noise for the neighbors, so I, I was doing it very quietly, <laughs> so it wasn't even, like, intense, like, exercise. 
So yeah. did you you legitimately kept moving the entire time? Yeah. Did like, you do you listen to a podcast or something? Oh yeah. Okay. Of course, I would like it. <laughs> no, if I was just doing it at ten o'clock at night and in, 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 in dead silence, <laughs> uh, that would that would be some kind of uh, like weird, weird <laughs> some stuff that I wouldn't admit to on a podcast. Yeah. No, especially not one that's well listened to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy Saturday night in the the Gomez household. Yeah. Um, is this the point where we throw in our? Uh, <laughs> weekly uh the daily is the best podcast out there thing i I think i think this is the part of the show yeah it's 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 been really good this week yeah it seems like they um <clears throat> have almost like these episodes feel like they were kind of maybe like pre-recorded because they've been a little bit more longer form not quite as um topical i guess as maybe some of some of the other episodes have been like not a, actually like something that happened like the day before or something well, I think right. the Mike, the the Uber Mike Isaac one from today, like he he's been kind of making the the press rounds after the because the 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 big article came out on Sunday, so I think that one was probably fairly fresh. I assume they do most of the reporting the day before, um, unless it's incredibly time sensitive. Right. Yeah. I I, I think so because it has to be out like at like probably like a reasonable hour, like eight a.m. for people on the East Coast. So it's probably has to be pretty much wrapped up the day before. I just I have to say about this Uber article that Mike Isaac wrote in the New York Times, which you know we'll link to here we'll, in the we'll show get notes. Um, I've put you know putting aside the content for a moment, the the illustration they have of Kalanick at the top it just is weird and seems sort of unnecessary. Eh, I think they whenever you have a longer form article, they they have to get a little bit. Um... A little artsy, or, or a little like I don't know, that. Like the Times has been doing more experimental stuff with that. So, well, that's that's a failed experiment, I think. No, it it led to a really good uh, wagging dog gif recently. Hold on, let, let me look for it. Resume, black hole, New York Times. I really got to get on um, making a text expander snippet that changes NY Times to the failing New York Times. <laughs> so this one's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. All right, we're keeping things moved along. Um, so I have a question. So when when you when when our president gives like just an absolutely insane interview, do you read the transcript or or do you skip it like for the sake of your own sanity? <laughs> like, do you know the one I'm referring to? I mean, honestly, no. Oh, well, probably the, the AP one, right? That was the one that people were e- e- exactly right, particularly dumbfounded by so so did you read that one parts of it okay not the whole thing so the one part i do want to highlight in the middle of it was um so he was talking about uh a meeting that he had with uh chinese president xi jinping and then he says blah 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 for for me to call him a currency manipulator and say by the way i'd like you to solve the north korean problem doesn't work so you'd have to have a certain level of flexibility number one number two from the time I took office till now, you know, it's a very exact thing. It's not like generalities, period. Do you want a Coke or anything? He says that to the reporter in, in just in the absolute middle of talking about whatever the hell he was talking about. It, sound, it sounds like something somebody would ask if they wanted to maybe try to divert attention from the fact that they had no idea what they were talking about. But that, that's probably not what's happening here. No, but the, then the reporter says, I'm okay, thank you, no. 
And then Trump continues, but President Xi, from the time I took office, he has not, they have not been currency manipulated. Like, it's just, like, it's like the dog and up. Like, I don't get it. Hmm. That's a good, um, hmm. And that analogy makes you think a little bit. And it, well, actually, I should take it back because I love the dog and up. Doug's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do not, I do not like the man I'm using that for. Okay. Uh, all right. So, did you ever get around to listening to that Reconcilable Differences episode? I, I haven't yet. No, I'm still I'm still in my my podcast debt. Got it. So, have you seen any like um, spillover about what John talked about in that episode? No, I don't. I don't think so. So, basically, the reason why that episode was so good is that he goes into like kind of a a, a very earnest and somewhat impassioned like uh, plea for people to understand that he's the person who invented follow up. <laughs> and that's why it's really good just because you you wouldn't really think that he would be so um like seeking of credit for it and, and it was it was good just because it's like he's he, like what he wants to be known for and it's not that he thinks like it's taken on a life of its own it's just that he thinks that when like in 10 years when that's just the staple of every other show and like it's something that we do like that nobody will really attribute it to him and his his original fantastic program hypercritical i was gonna ask because it's that the follow-up thing was from hypercritical that rings that rings a bell exactly so anyway so i, I bring that up because so let, let's talk about follow-up um so uber we <laughs> talked about this <laughs> Uh, at at length uh last week and uh it it came up again um cuz that's just how things go now and here's the thing i think i think we've reached peak cactus if that makes sense i i think i think we have and if we haven't that's a scary thought and here's the thing cuz like i i know that travis kalanick and and the executive team at uber are they don't settle until they're number 1 at whatever they do so i, I maybe i think maybe this isn't this isn't the most this isn't like the worst uh 3 months i'd say probably 3 months of any company that's ever existed uh but but i don't know so can you can you set up set the stage for what 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 has happened this week so, um, so this weekend, the the article that we were referring to that I made mention of the weird illustration that's at the top was uh, Mike Isaac's um, piece about. Uh, so it's titled "Uber CEO Plays with Fire," and this tells the story of how um, Uber evidently, at some point in twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, I guess this, I guess the meeting with Tim Cook, which we'll get to, it was twenty fifteen, so twenty fourteen, let's call it, um, built. A piece of code into their app, which essentially, if I'm understanding this correctly, tagged iPhones and gave iPhones sort of a, a unique ID. So Apple, I guess, had an API at some point where you where you could actually do this, where you could have an iPhone um, have a unique identifier, but that's something that they closed off at some point, and it was not something that apps were um, allowed to do anymore. But Uber found a way to circumvent that. And this this ID would be stored on Uber's side, even if a user deleted the app. And so, you know, I think people's initial reaction, probably in large part because of all the other awful things Uber's done over the over the years, kind of assumed the worst. And you, you saw a bunch of headlines about how Uber 
was tracking users even if they had deleted the app, which again, kind of a, probably a reasonable thing to think because Uber has been sort of creepily following you even in times where it, it shouldn't be. So people kind of drew these <clears throat> conclusions, which, you know, to be fair, I guess, because that's we're, we're fair and balanced on this program, as we've said before. Um, you understand you can't use that term anymore, right? I, 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 I use it for a specific purpose. Um, so, <laughs> Sorry, but you know who, who invented that, right? At Fox News, yes. I'm, I'm, okay. full, I'm fully aware. Okay. You're killing my joke, man. Come on. Um, <laughs> I think this, this might be one of the things where I have to save you and recommend that that gets edited out. But <laughs> now no, we'll, 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 keep, we'll, keep, we'll keep all this in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, to, to see the other side of it, I you know, so we've got our daily mention in, so let's get our Gruber mention in. So he um, had a really good piece where, you know, he kind of laid out the case that what Uber was doing here was probably not that nefarious. It certainly broke App Store rules, and we'll get it to another piece of it about hiding this from Apple app reviewers in a minute. But Gerber basically said, hey, you know, these these unique IDs that Uber was assigning to each user's iPhone wasn't being used for tracking purposes. It, it would be technically impossible for them to really use that ID for anything after the app had been uninstalled. So kind of refuting the idea that Uber could be tracking you even with, you know, your phone not having Uber on it anymore. Rather, the reason that this was built into the app was because um, specifically in China, Uber was having a problem where I guess people would take stolen iPhones and they would install Uber on them um, and then like request a bunch of rides because they they were Uber was doing this promotion where drivers would get bonuses for accepting a certain number of rides. And so by having this unique identifier on a phone, you could you could flag the phone so that, you know, the app just couldn't be uninstalled and reinstalled a bunch of times on a stolen phone or otherwise. So anyway, it, it, it doesn't seem as nefarious as people were making out to be, but it's it's pretty scummy for I think one one particular reason, which is what I alluded to a second ago, which is they actually built the feature in such a way where if the app detected that it was within this geofence location around Apple's campus where all of the App Store review takes place, the phone would not trigger this code and basically, as Mike puts it in this article, kind of camouflages the app from Apple's engineers, which is really just kind of stunning. So it, all of this speaks to the whole like Uber culture of like winning at all costs and thinking that the ends justify the means to everything. So, so one of the things that few people can fault Apple for is prioritizing the privacy of users over most other things. I mean, I, you can say that Apple's an opportunistic company and that that they are they protect Apple before anybody else and that kind of stuff but but almost let's so say sure the interests of Apple would go first but then second is the the privacy of the user so they have had different things like there have been in the past in the history of the App Store there have been um apps that will try to capture the hardware serial number of the iPhone that you're using or the UUID which is a, a special serial number that you get which is like a hardware software pairing generated long string of things and apparently that's what Uber was using private APIs and things like that to to capture that. So it's not like 
when the story came out saying that there was tracking going on, it's more of tracking in terms of like logging devices and, and tying that to users rather than like actual location trafficking or uh, tracking, which, which you, you'd mentioned. But like the problem here is that Uber seems to think that, that the rules never apply to them regardless of what the situation is. And, and it just seems weird. That seems to be the, the thinking and the trend every single time, whether, whether it's flouting, uh, local transportation regulations or, um, ethical business practices or software engineering or having a functioning human resources department or any of that kind of stuff. It all just seems like it, it speaks to the same when it all costs it, like Anne Rand, like whole, like, like just the, the, the sake of the business above all else, whatever it takes to win. And just like this, this virtue of selfishness type thing. Well, so that's that was sort of the main focus of of today's uh, that being April twenty sixth uh, episode of the Daily, where you know the episode really focused on this all stemming directly from Kalanick and and really just being built into his personality, and and that's that's what I've been trying to get at when I've made mention in the past on the show about him in particular needing to resign in order to resolve this issue because. The culture at Uber, like it'd be, be one thing, and it, I would argue that he would probably still have to leave under this circumstance, but it would be one thing if Uber had built this culture and he just sort of looked the other way. So if, if it didn't necessarily come from him, but it came from others within the company and he just sort of turned a blind eye towards it, that would also be entirely unacceptable. And again, in my opinion, would be grounds for him to to have to leave but the fact that this is actually stemming directly from the top of the organization, I mean, how, and you know, he's, he's given all these quotes about how he, he knows he needs to change and he needs to grow up, but I just, I just don't see, especially given the context of the daily episode today, where this is clearly something that's just built into his personality how he's just going to be able to flip a switch one day and not only change himself, but then change his entire company. I, I just, I just don't see how that's remotely possible. Well, but the thing is it's, it stems like, so, but it's, it's, it is his leadership and, and it's an immature and, and, um, and, and here's like the thing that that's difficult is that like it, he, it, it's, it's challenging to discuss this because he, they have been successful. You you can debate whether or not their success is deserved due to the way that they've gone about it, but they have been successful. But the the problem here is that his leadership style and in the flaws in his leadership style, um, they they just roll down from the top. Like if you think of like almost every other large con large or even minor controversy that Uber's been involved in, like when um, I think his name was like Emil Michael was saying that. Um, for a journalist that was critical of Uber, that they were going to dig up stuff on their family and like and like like things like that are all related to the exact same. The rules don't apply to us. The business before all else type thing, where like it it, it all stems from the top and the people who embrace that brash and terrible leadership style 
uh, they're the ones that get protection from the human resources department or, um, or, or get praised or, or advance in that company. So that's, that's the thing where the culture is driven by, particularly in, in, in this scenario, by the person at the top. And is that ultimately going to be healthy for the business? But I mean, what, what's just so frustrating and, you know, the, the, the behavior of Uber and, and the culture at Uber, it, it would be unacceptable under any circumstance and for any reason. But what's, what's crazy about this is it, Uber's ultra competitive culture, while it may have helped the company in some ways economically get to where it is today, is, is nowhere near the main reason why they've been as successful as they are. I mean, to me, it's as simple as the fact that they have a tremendous service period. Like they, the, the, the aggressiveness, the toxic culture, the flaunting of, of local and state regulations. I mean, sure. In some cases, especially that the last piece may have sped them along in some areas, but I have absolutely no doubt that they could have gotten to where they are today without any of that. I mean, the, the main reason they are where they are is because it's just a fantastic service to use. And so all, all of this nonsense, and I, I, I think I've said this probably ad nauseum on the show, which is, it's what's so frustrating when Uber, you know, trips over itself all the time is, it's such a good service. So just, just accept that and run with that and, and put all this other stuff to bed. I mean, but is it a good service? I mean, here's here's the problem: is that like they, and this goes to the. I, I think I put it in in Slack earlier in the week with like it was this Glenn Fleischman observation: is that the reason why so many people like just get so upset or or like up in arms about each Uber controversy is that they're a company that has what is genuinely a terrific idea, which is solving the problem of entrenched partially corrupt like stodgy players that are not delivering on the the promise that they have to like the 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 consumer which is like most for hire or taxi services so they have an amazing idea and in a good way of going about it and they have like smart people working on this engineering problem and, and like all these things could come together for a, a terrific business and and, and good but they do literally everything in the worst way possible like the, just their implementation and like it just like the, it's it's also sociopathic I, I i just don't and 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 it's and it just it craps on the work of so many smart people inside the company because the leadership just implements it and and frames everything they do in just like the the most assholeish way possible I guess maybe a better way of saying what I was trying to say before is Uber could be in the exact same place they are today. I would argue an even better position than, than they are today if they didn't pursue all of the aggressive policies they have, if they didn't have their horrific internal culture, particularly to women. It, there's just There's just no reason and no excuse for any of that. Well, I mean, I, I think... It's 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 completely wrong, but I think a lot of people would say the excuse is this is what's giving us the edge. No, so this but, is why see, we're but not that's, lift. But th no, that, see, I just don't think that's true. I, I just you don't think people don't. think that, or you don't think that that's the truth. I don't think that's the truth. I'm sure some people think that, but 
No, I mean, I, Uber is more successful than Lyft because they were first. And it, at least in my opinion, and I think a lot of other people's opinion, it's just a better app. It's a better experience. So I don't, I don't think the aggressiveness. Like but I, you, I, I but think you don't, you don't think that the 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 better app comes at potentially the uh, as a result of potentially unethical tracking or data mining or all these other things that could have given them an engineering advantage in making better software. Potentially, potentially, but that to me that's stuff around around the edges. And I, I just, I, maybe I'm being too optimistic here, but I just think that they could have gotten to exactly where they are today in a clean way. I, I don't, I don't think they had to take the low path that they have. I think that's true, but I think they wouldn't have gotten there as quickly as they have. I don't think you could say that Uber would be in the exact same spot they are right now. In this type of industry, I think like you have to move so quickly to have an advantage over something. Like I think the race might be considerably closer to Lyft if they weren't <laughs> as shady and awful as they are. But I think the additional brand loyalty and positive brand association they would have built up by being a better company at this point would have helped them out far more than skirting some local regulations and from pushing their employees to to do some really terrible things some 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 of their employees we should be clear well so let me ask you one one of the other big takeaways from actually maybe this was more of like just something said in passing but i think has gained a lot more traction than maybe uh the author had had thought about which is the uh the unroll.me service where uh, and because I don't know who this reflects worse on uh, Uber or um, Unroll Me, but Uber bought some business intelligence from a company called Slice Analytics or something, which purchased a um, email digest and like newsletter unsubscription service thing, and they purchased a bunch of bulk anonymized data that was gathered from scraping the inboxes of a bunch of people who probably didn't understand that that's what they were signing up for uh, in order to assess and and be apprised of the health of Lyft by way of them scanning email inboxes for Lyft receipts. Like, does any of that bother you? Or do you think that's Uber is fine, but that it's sketchy just for that company to have a business that does this? I mean, we've also talked about this at length on the show. I think, I think mostly in the context of that Vizio story that came out a month or two ago. The Uber of TV. <laughs> no, no. Um, did, did you hear they're discontinuing all touchscreen remotes? I feel vindicated. God, that thing was so bad. Um, it, I'm I, I'm torn about services like Unroll Me. I, I'm not a huge fan of the business model, but if companies are being forthcoming about the value exchange that's happening, but they're not. Well, but so that's why that's why you know I can't can't do this over audio. But you know, <laughs> I if I was writing this, the if would be bolded and underlined. You know, it, it, that's that's the qualifier here. Just like I said with that Vizio story that. If if Vizio is being absolutely crystal clear in what they're doing, I don't 
if people want to opt into that, that's fine. And, you know, let's, let's get our upgrade mentioned out of the way now. So we've got the daily Gruber and, and upgrade all mentioned now. You know, I it's thought... It's called a hat trick in hockey. <laughs> that's right. I thought, you know, Jason elaborated on this really well this week where he's not fundamentally opposed. And I, I would say that I agree with him on this, that this is a valid business model. But, you know, because I think for a lot of people... There, a lot of people are willing to forego having to pay a fee in order to give up some privacy, and that's anyone's choice to make. But it just it it starts to get fuzzy when companies aren't clear about that, and that you know that that appears to be what happened here. So how could they be though? Because who who on earth would ever sign up for the service if on the splash page like? Actually, let me let me see. Unroll.me. What what is their value proposition on their website? So it says clean up your inbox. Instantly see a list of all your email subscri- uh, your subscription emails. Unsubscribe easily from whatever you don't want. And then right below it, unroll.me is a bold, free service. And I'm scrolling through. Literally none of this says we are mining your your email anonymizing it and selling your data to the highest bidder but see that but that's that's exactly what they need to do so so but who do you think would sign up for a service if it said clean up your inbox in in slightly smaller print by letting us mine your data sell anonymized information of your purchases and uh metadata and, and demographics to the highest bidder who would sign up for that i have plenty of people nobody no, if, sure, plenty of people would, Nobody. especially if they elaborated on what steps they take to ensure that the data is anonymized. I don't think a company like that gets off the ground. I think like somebody like Google might be able to get away with that, like because they they would have the trust built up and they would probably be very straightforward and you'd be like, oh, Google has my back. But if you, if if you make the user conscious of the value proposition and how a company actually makes its money, I do not think you're going to get anybody on board with that. Well, but then you're building a company on a false premise, and you're just going to end up where Unroll Me is now. So it's 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 a, it's a it's a much more sound business strategy to, I guess, as you would say, rip the bandaid off right away and just be totally transparent up front. Yeah, I think again, if, if we're talking about what what type of activities make your business more successful faster, I think this is one of those things. Uh, I think this is that's something that maybe like Sidecar would do, and Sidecar doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Again, maybe with this and with the Uber thing, I'm being too optimistic. But I just really believe that if you if you do things the right way, and if you're transparent, you're going to end out. You're going to end up ahead. I mean, by doing something like what Unroll Me got themselves into this week, or what Uber's been consistently doing for what seems like forever now. You're just basically kicking problems down the road instead of just addressing them up front. Can I give a really quick derail here? On the on the very bottom when they're doing the testimonials for unroll.me, they have the guy from the West Wing, uh and, and the West Wing Weekly, Josh Molina, as one of the as one of like the not spokespeople, but the people who have like a little like pull quote endorsing the service. How the how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> No, I'm sure he's still fine, but again, like that's I I trust people who star in Aaron Sorkin political dramas. He uh, so now I think I should be using this even more. I don't like like the guy from the West Wing and Sports Night told me that I should I should trust this company. 
I don't think they're mining my data. What they should have had him do was explain the steps they go through with ensuring that the data is anonymized. I don't think and he knows that. Well, but th- that's He was the an problem. expert on sports. He wasn't an expert on <laughs> data mining. Sports Night is a good show. <sighs> like, I don't know, man. All right. So, so that, was, that was one of the things where it was just like, it was a throwaway paragraph in this really long article. And I think that's one of the things most, more, like, uh, people are most upset about. Right. And did you see, I, I linked to it earlier today, but there was somebody who came to the defense of the CEO who basically just like, as she said over and over again, well, the users are stupid for not understanding what, like why the economy is the way it is. I mean, yeah, that was, it was not good. No, that's, that's not the, that's not the right take there. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about the Tim Cook thing or, or like Apple's uh, place in this whole thing. So the opening of this article is that um, Travis Kalanick gets called in by Tim Cook to Cupertino to have a meeting uh, in 2015 about their uh, shenanigans. And like like the godfather, Tim Cook is like, I, I hear you've been – like, what is the quote? Sorry, I don't have the article in front of me. So I've heard you've been breaking some of our rules, Mr. Cook said in his calm southern tone. Stop the trickery, Mr. Cook then demanded or Uber's app would be kicked out of Apple's app store. So here's my question for you, which is, does this reflect worse, this specific interaction and like the, the question of potentially getting booted from the iOS app store? Do you think this reflects worse on Uber or Apple? And I, I think you know where I'm going. I think it reflects worse on Apple. It definitely does. Because if, if, I'm, if I'm Apple, if, if I'm Tim Cook here, I pull, I pull the app. I don't, because for no other company is someone like Tim Cook going to take time out of his day and meet personally with the CEO. I mean, we've seen plenty of other examples of where Apple just basically without any warning will pull an app from the app store. No, they, they will deactivate the entire iTunes developer account. 100%. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so, no, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the, of the special treatment that Uber got here. And that's, and that's what it is. It's special treatment. There's no, there's no other way to spin that. And here's the thing, because in this scenario, Apple has more authority and power and, uh, than like, even like the government of the state of California, in the sense that Apple could have taken away probably, because I think about like in 2015, where Uber wasn't as big globally, and we already know, and don't at me. That that Apple customers spend more on <laughs> on services than Android users, and it's not that's not a thing. Like that's just that's the way. No, that's that that's not a that's, that's a not a thing. Don't, right, right, yeah. It's not a it's not a it's not an opinion. That's just the, the data is there. But things like Apple could have just so profoundly reshaped their business, even if they made a point of saying, you know what, you're out of the App Store for a month until you knock this shit off. Yeah, it, and they didn't. Right. I, like I don't know, like. The App Store, because of the closed nature of iOS, is such a a weird like power vacuum that that Apple controls, and I think that's why a lot of people are so um, emotionally invested in kind of the the economics and the the politics of the App Store. But yeah, I think this reflects terribly on Apple. Yeah, well, and it should. There's there's no there's no good reason for this. It, I mean, particularly a company like. If there's if there's a big company on the App Store that least deserves some type of special treatment or a second chance, it would be Uber. Exactly right, and we still don't have uh, Amazon 
Prime TV for, for the <laughs> Apple TV. Right. This is the world we live in. So to, to round this out, I guess, because this is, this is all the cactus I can take. And again, I know I boast about this every couple of weeks, but I'm so happy, and people can g- listen to the tape, that I've been on the inside track of, of Uber's. No, it's true. When I, for when like I was, three when I was, years. Yeah, I know when I was migrating the... Which we still haven't, we haven't talked about on the show how we've been migrating over the the website, but we'll, we'll get to that at some point. We we've been you know migrating the the show over to Fireside, and um, I think it was it was I was when I was I had to go through and kind of redo some of the episode titles, and I was the um, Cactus of Society episode was like it was a really early one, mm-hmm. like maybe even like single digits. I mean, it was like early early episode. So this was years ago. Yeah. And again, I, I want I want to stress like this is only frustrating because this like just ride sharing and like this uh, like shared transportation is like it's such a great idea and it's just implemented in such a terrible way. Like or actually no, it's implemented beautifully by terrible people. Like I don't even know how you'd say it. But um well our our um some real time follow up here not to irritate John Syracuse. Uh Episode two was called the George Clooney of Uber. Was that you? That was you. Was that me describing you? Uh, who who knows? Oh no, I think it was it was talking about the fact that like there's no tipping or something like that, where it's just like you just get in and get out, like if as though you're George Clooney. Could could be. Yeah, I should go back to listen to that, but I won't. So C- Cactus of Society was um, episode twenty six, but that that was from not fe- bad. February tenth, two thousand fifteen. So. I actually read, read it about the same time this meeting was happening. Exactly. Maybe maybe Tim Cook is like, what, what should I do? What should I do? Let me listen to... Uh, yeah, this... this, this <clears throat> God, this is back critically when... Critically acclaimed podcast. Back when I was still writing the show summaries, which... Ugh, terrible. It's okay. We all have our strengths. On this week's very epi- special episode of Technically Correct, Ryan and Carlos... Spend the first half of the show discussing the popularity of the NBA, consumers' rejection of coffee DRM, I remember that, photos for OS X, iOS 9 rumors, and Carlos's disappointment with Apple's current product lineup. They then spend the second half on an in-depth, dis- in-depth conversation about Uber, including its impact on society, economic viability, labor practices, and regulatory challenges. God. I don't, I don't sound you, like you, that all the time, do I? Yeah. yeah. You aren't known for your conciseness <laughs> or no. your brevity. No. Sorry, that's that's what I was looking for. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, or or my creativity. Good lord! I sometimes wonder if I'm if I if I'm being too if I'm trying to be too clever with our show summaries, but I, I think I strike a decent balance. I think I think you do too. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, what else can I say? So yeah, to wrap this up, my final question is that: so you still have Uber installed, right? I do. What's the breaking point for you? What 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 level of awfulness? I, I like, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I want to know, like, what is, what does does Travis have to shoot uh, go on to Fifth Avenue? What, what is the stupid Trump quote? He got to go on to Fifth Avenue and, and shoot somebody, and, and his he wouldn't, wouldn't would lose still... a single user. All right, yeah, no, it's it, especially after listening to the Daily today, it it was something again that I was reminded that I'm a total hypocrite. I I am the first one to raise my hand and say, yep, I'm I'm being a complete hypocrite about this because. You know, I cannot say enough negative things about this company and the way they conduct themselves, but Uber is by far and away the service that I use the most frequently on my iPhone. I mean, it, 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 it just, it just is. And it, it's, it's 
like, and I, I've used this line a thousand times with, with friends and family. I don't know if I've ever said it on the show, but I mean, literally my time in San Francisco can be divided between pre-Uber and post-Uber. Like it, it just has totally changed the way that you get around this city. Um, and I, I really, I really couldn't imagine going back to a time where, you know, we didn't use it. And I, I mentioned before, I just, I just think the, the Uber app and my experience with drivers has just been way more positive with Uber than it has been with Lyft. And so, you know, I want to continue to use the service and, you know, I guess the, the, the main way that I sort of tell myself that that's okay, which is what you alluded to earlier, which is, I think Uber is the home to a lot of really smart, good people. Um, I don't, I don't believe it's the entire company that's corrupt, but, but, but even, you know, even with that in mind, it's, it, it, it's, it's a hard thing to reconcile, no doubt. <laughs> so uh, does that mean there's no breaking point for you? I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I, I can't think, I can't think of a, like a specific thing that would cause that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to rack my brain for what awfulness I could possibly do. <laughs> How how gracefully do you, assuming Uber is able to pull it out and uh, be top in the race for self or for autonomous vehicles, how gracefully do you think they're going to handle the uh, elimination of humans? <laughs> and I'm not joking about that at all. I mean, that's a serious question. I, I I would I would guess not very well. Yeah, not not very well at all. And also, this this is a stray observation that I, maybe I thought I was going to say for another episode. But when when we got self driving uh, or, or autonomous Ubers, the, those things are going to be blanketed in advertising. Hmm. It's like because they're they're going to do everything they can to keep the cost down since they've eliminated the human element. So they they are like they're probably going to be very like they're going to be very nice. They're going to have like Spotify and Pandora integration. Like they're going to do all that stuff, but they're also just going to be advertising machines that just externally and internally bombard you with ads and it's going to be i think that's probably what google wants in too yeah probably oh and then to, to round this out that's that's the other huge thing which i'm not sure if it was addressed in this article but like i mean the whole uh waymo auto stuff with with the completely stolen um schematics for uh a key technology for self-driving cars well, that that was already a known thing, right? But I think that that speaks to the same thing because I I assume uh, Travis has to be involved in that too. I don't think that's just no, that's not that's not some rogue engineer. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know what? Even if you want to be, if you want to give that the most charitable spin possible, you would say, well, maybe someone like Kalanick's not personally involved, but he has absolutely created the culture in which an engineer would think that that was okay. Yeah. I mean, again, it was a strategic acquisition for that company. All they wanted was that technology. And he was previously somebody who had who'd worked on the um, the Google X project for like forever. So, Oh, yeah. No, no, don't get me wrong. I think Kalanick is totally personally involved. But I'm just saying that even the 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 most charitable explanation is, is not good for him. Yeah. All right. So that's enough of that. Um, so we have a couple of minor stories about, uh, Google and a couple of minor stories about Apple, which do you want to look at first? Let's do the Apple stuff. Okay. So are you familiar with, uh, so, uh, with the app store affiliate revenue stuff? Yes. Okay. So basically, um, there are like kind of like Amazon affiliate links. I think that's probably the most 
obvious affiliate marketing thing that people are familiar with. Um, there was a thing where, or there is still is a thing where people who write reviews online or link to a specific application were able to put referral codes or affiliate codes in links to iTunes store content, uh, chiefly applications, and get a kickback based on whatever purchases uh, occurred through that link. Um, and that's something that has funded a lot of like app review sites and, and made a lot of like independent publishers and stuff like that. So I believe if I'm not mistaken, um, it was seven and a half percent before seven percent down to two point five percent. Yeah. So this has some people up in arms. Like for me, I'm I'm not sure. Like I'm super uh, polarized on or, or like yeah polarized on the issue one way or the other. But um, this seems like a weird thing for Apple to start getting stingy about, um, especially since it just makes a whole ton of money on the App Store by doing almost nothing. Like uh, transaction fees are probably two and a half percent or lower, yet they take a thirty percent cut of all App Store revenue. It just seems a really weird thing for them to take a stand on or 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 adjust at this point in the game, where it seems like anything other than just than just a cash grab. And I don't know, like again, like Apple's not really in the in the spot to to, to like be winning like the hearts and mind of everybody else. It just seems like a weird timing and a weird thing to do in general. Mike, Mike put this well on upgrade where, you know, I think he said something to the effect of it's stories like this, where Apple's want of secrecy, I think really hurts them because if they were to come out and not only make this announcement, but explain why they were doing it, not, not even necessarily providing all the nitty gritty around the decision, but just sort of a, a high level kind of overview of like, hey, here, here's why we think this makes sense. That would, you know, even if, even if it was kind of a crappy explanation, even if it was basically like, yeah, we just want to boost our services revenue. There's no way Apple ever says that out loud. No, but even if they sort of said that in some kind of PR speak, I, I just, I think <laughs> that would have made this less of a story. Cause I, I think so much of the kind of the hubbub around this is, is speculation as to why they're doing this. I mean, for for a certain subset of people, this has a meaningful economic impact, so they would be talking about it no matter what. But I feel like for such a larger segment of kind of the T-word circle that we live in, the main reason we're talking about this is because we don't know why Apple's doing it. I mean, Amazon did something similar earlier in the year, but again, like they're mainly dealing with physical goods. Um I don't know, and like this seems like a, a good way to like because nobody's really doing affiliate revenue on the app store in a way that's like meaning like there's no there's very little in the way of like scamming this like if if you want an app you go to the app store like you're not shopping through somebody else's store or hoping that somebody accidentally clicks on like your affiliate link like this is generally a way just for people to 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 share things that they like or endorse and and hopefully can get a small cut out of it i just i don't know seems like a weird time to do this again like apple's like they're not having like tremendous pr cycles recently like just why why bother for a company that's now sitting on was like 290 billion in revenue in, in just cash offshore right yeah when, when we were talking about the the podcasting thing an episode or two ago you know, one of the points that I made around why Apple wasn't likely to 
mess with that was because it was just such a kind of a small, you know, small piece of the pie. But I don't know, a story like this kind of makes me rethink that a little bit, that Apple's clearly interested in, in meddling with things that are, you know, I think even calling something like affiliate revenue or rounding errors, probably giving it too much credit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, unless they said, like, you know, this this uh, affiliate revenue cut, this is allowing us to make the new Mac Pro. Or if they said that, um, like, you know what, this is what we're going to use to make sure you don't get that damn iTunes store pop up all the time. Like, <laughs> th- those those are tangible benefits. But here, it just seems like we want more services money. We need more, something more than Apple Music. And if we can find a way to have the App Store churn out slightly more revenue, we're going to do it. And, like, I mean, again, that's a fine position to take. but. Um, you have to do what's best overall for the ecosystem, and, and that's—I I don't see how this really benefits them or benefits anybody. Yeah, I, I don't either. Yeah. And this is something that I think you'll probably get more um, uh, wound up about. Oh, so, yeah, for the watch, that's a pretty yeah, nice, nice, I nice. I didn't, I, I didn't even mean that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're too humble. Yeah. Somebody at work left a, a bottle of a uh, nice brand uh, knockoff Advil. And then I did not take any. Let's <laughs> uh, just quick aside. Um, so Apple Watch sales. There was another article, and this seems to happen like every every earnings quarter because Apple refuses to break out revenue by, from the Apple Watch. Um, it's supposed to be a very successful product, as Tim says. Uh, the sales are off the charts. But uh, I, I don't know if it was specifically John Gruber or somebody else that made the point that... Um, a product like the Amazon Echo can be seen as wildly successful, even though it probably sells far fewer units than the than the Apple Watch. So do you think it's fair for people to continue to be pessimistic about the Apple Watch because it isn't as big of a success relative to the iPhone, or it's not a big enough success for Apple to release actual sales numbers, which in itself says a lot? I mean, I think it's it's just another area where Apple's secrecy hurts them in a way, at least from a PR perspective. It it, it just it, it leaves people to speculate and you know kind of write silly things like what Gruber's article. So Gruber's article, judging Apple's watch success, is in response to um, an article by Mike Murphy on Quartz, um, and you know it, it's basically it's basically premised around the notion that, and there's I mean, this is a direct quote from one of the passages that Gruber uh, cites, which is, you know, Apple has never shared hard numbers on how many wearables it has sold and doesn't even break out watch sales in its quarterly earnings report. I mean, that that right there, if, if that weren't the case, then there would be no room for all this nonsense. But again, like, but that's one thing where I actually maybe will give Apple the benefit of the doubt in, which is shouldn't they have the ability to withhold whatever numbers that they actually want in an attempt to, I'm not sure if nurture is the right word, but to like give a little bit more runway to a product that's maybe more difficult to find its footing in the marketplace. Cause I think smartwatches are really interesting and tricky, um, like product category. And I think it probably does is going to take a couple of generations for it to really take off or to fail completely. Like, I mean, I think the Apple Watch, like Fitbits and other wearables, are a product that 
either stick or fall off really quickly with a lot of people. I think like even I think like uh, John Syracuse doesn't wear his watch anymore, like Marco and a bunch of other people like they they don't either. And I think we're probably weird in the fact that we just really hate our phones buzzing and getting notifications other ways. But I think like a lot of people probably don't see the watch as essential. And if the investment community and everybody at large got to see that the product isn't terribly successful or moving in even like volumes, like one tenth the iPhone, I think that would make it seem like a product that they need to stop spending time on really fast. I mean, maybe, but <clears throat> I mean, smart people can take that other other products category and, and sort of, you know, make a rough guess as to what watch sales are. So it's not like there's, you know, no way for people to kind of figure this thing out. I just think like what we were talking about before with the affiliate revenue, what flames the fire on these stories is the unknown. I just think that if there were just hard cold facts out there, you know, a statement from Apple or numbers through a, you know, earnings release, whatever the case is, I just think people would lose interest a lot quicker. Maybe. So, but uh, going back to the, like how I was originally framing this. So do you think it's fair conversely that Amazon seems to be getting so much credit, like if we exclude the Apple watch uh, for the echo? No, totally not. I mean, the the whole Bezos chart thing is, is basically the same thing as what we're talking about here, where we have, no numbers to to back up anything, but yet in that case, to your point, they Amazon gets a ton of credit. No, they absolutely they absolutely shouldn't. Um, and you know, Apple is and and at least for the foreseeable future will be held to this impossible standard. I mean, we've seen it with the iPad too. That every new product they come out with has to be the next iPhone, and that's you know just not just not going to be the case but that's that's just the standard they're held to and that's you know unfortunately not a fair one but it is what it is yeah i mean i I actually do think that amazon does deserve that bit of credit because i just think that the level of difficulty with like just an out there um like voice control like speaker probably like I, i just think that that's so much more interesting and a hard sell for customers than a watch at least like there's a much more immediately obvious benefit of what a smartwatch can do for you than what an amazon echo can and the fact that it's been as successful as it has and and was able to power through kind of that iffy like first six months like i'm really shocked and, and surprised and proud of amazon for that like to the point where i wish i could rename siri uh alexa <laughs> Because in the car, I always want to—I always want to say Alexa, but I can't, and it's—and it's really frustrating. Because because that that Alexa has become the name of the one assistant that actually works. I guess maybe the way that I see it is that Amazon deserves a lot of credit around the brand and the and the way that you know. I got to press the mute button here on my my dingus. The you know Alexa has become sort of this this household thing but i mean we don't know how much credit to give them for devices sold because we just we just don't know like it's gotta be a lot though because i mean because here's the thing like you think about how many people have reviewed it if you go to let's see let's go to amazon let's just type in echo um it has fifty four thousand reviews and i believe on amazon for this type of thing you can only review it if you're a verified purchaser 
And let's say you say that maybe only one out of every 20 people has reviewed it. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of things sold. It's one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, like it's, <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like, I mean, this, yeah, it's, it, and like just culturally, like I think it's, it's, it's permeated in a way where I think, it, I don't know, man. No, that, that, that's what I'm saying they deserve credit for, but I can't, you know, to, to bring this all the way back to, to Uber, right? Like the thing I had been saying about them for years and years and, until last week, at least, which is, you know, until they start releasing some financial statements, we just can't, can't really say one way or the other about their financial health because we just don't have data. Like, I just, I just don't see how, you know, I don't know how, I don't see how we can opine one way or the other on devices sold when all we have is a unlabeled graph on the stage. Well, I mean, you can't expect Amazon to do that because it's still day one. No, I'm not, I'm not saying I expect them to. I'm just saying that, you know, I don't see how we can give an opinion one way or the other. Did you not read Bezos's uh, shareholder letter? Uh, I I did, but it's okay. It's got it's gotten it's gotten lost in the mix already. Okay, that joke would have been funny if you remembered. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can clean it up. Yeah. Um. Hey, Dodgers beat or sorry, Giants beat the Dodgers. All right. Well, they came um, back. Uh. Yes. Two. All right. This janky watch. Hunter Pence hits a sacrifice fly in the bottom of the tenth. Nice. Right. You saw that he was on Bill Nye, right? No. Yeah. It, it, I haven't actually seen it. I only watched the Hunter Pence part, but uh, there's this new Bill Nye show uh, on Netflix. And on, I think it's episode four, the one about Mars, uh, Hunter Pence comes on at the end to hit a uh, baseball into Mars. It's pretty good. Huh. And yeah, and he's the only one of the giants that actually looks like he might be a mad scientist. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's very fitting. It does fit. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that's the Apple stuff. Um, oh, well, actually, it, it, Real quick, for Amazon, um, actually, no, this is part of a, sorry, this fits in the Google stuff, but let, let's go there. Google Home is about to support multiple users and be able to recognize them by voice. So I don't think anybody actually has a Google Home. So m- moreover, when is, when is uh, the Echo getting this? I, not not soon enough. I think that was my response to you in, in the thing. <laughs> in the thing. Um, it, yeah, it seems like something that's so obvious. Um, well, obvious, but maybe not something that's easy to do. Yeah, or, or, or sorry, not obvious, but like something that seems so critical that I'm sure probably does have a high degree of difficulty to do to do well, especially since like uh, the Echo has so many microphones and it's able to do like the far field recognition where like it, it's very good at listening right now, but I assume there's just layers of additional difficulty by being able to accurately recognize who's talking. Um but actually, sorry, before this, I, I've, I've remembered the feature that we need far more than this, is the ability to have multiple timers and name them. <laughs> do you, do you, do you, don't, you don't cook much, do you? No, not really. Yeah. Do you end up using your Echo for timers? Yeah, I, I do, yeah. So we, we have one in the kitchen um, and, and, and actually do, do use that a, a fair bit. Is it a real Echo or a dot? A dot. Got it. Yeah, like you can't, you can just say uh, set a timer for whatever, whatever. But then it just says, um, when you when you ask it to recall what the timer is, uh, it says your, like your 16 minute timer has two minutes left on it. It names them by the length of the timer rather than saying like, you know, it, uh, set a 10 minute timer for the eggs or something. Because you can have multiple timers going at the same time, but it just seems like something that's so damn simple and, that it just doesn't do. And, it, and it's really frustrating. Although to be fair, Apple completely botches us even more with the way that timers 
basically have no communication between the watch and the phone. Although when that the, I'm okay with. Nah, I I've never been okay with that. Especially because they do it in such a weird way where if you set a timer on your phone, it will go off on your watch, even though you can't see how much time is left on your watch. But then if you set a timer on your watch, your phone doesn't go off. And again, you can't see the time left on the other device. I just The whole thing is confusing. But, but that, that I agree with because the, um, the whole point of, my, of the watch is for my phone not to make noise or ever do anything. So no, I wouldn't want that to float back. Hmm. Okay, that's that's fair. Yeah, because I don't know, like, and it's and it's weird that uh, the Echo and the Apple Watch are both basically just like time accessories for me. Or there's there's just ways to time things. Like, yeah, yeah. The Echo is the frozen pizza and samosa timer, and then <laughs> the the Apple Watch is my hey hey dummy stop uh stop uh not paying attention to work. Hmm. Yeah, lot lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we got to get back to shaming yourself with OmniFocus. It's, it's really effective. Yeah. Except we... it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Chrome, allegedly, in a, was it Chrome or Internet Explorer that pioneered, or maybe it was Firefox, that pioneered having a built-in pop-up blocker? Well, Chrome is supposed to uh, soon have a built-in ad blocker. Yeah. Mm. Which seems weird compared to how Google makes its money. I don't know. Well, I just, so the, I mean, the idea here is that, you know, Chrome's going to have this built-in ad blocker that's going to, you know, filter out, um, or I guess to put it in their exact quotes here, it's going to allow acceptable ads. <laughs> um, I think you can, you can, you can read as Google ads. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can do a YouTube a, pre-roll ads. Yeah. You can do, do a find and replace all with acceptable for yeah Google so you know that it, it, I mean, in the in in the environment that we're in, we should all be very aware of what conflicts of interest are at this point. But um, this is this is a a painfully clear example of that, and I just I just don't know how you could possibly in any way trust an ad blocker built into a browser distributed by an ad based company. Yeah. I can't really fault Google for anything they do, though, because they actually, I mean, like the Chrome browser for all its inefficiency and that kind of stuff, it actually is really good for security. But oh, it's it, it is, yeah. it is, of course, I mean, very uh, dubious that like the company with like, because Google's position is super weird where because they want so much of your life to involve the Internet, they want to make the best possible web browser. So that's in a way a noble pursuit, sort of, and also a smart business decision. But I think it's when you think about how Google makes their money and where like the advertising and stuff um, kind of crosses and, and, and it crosses streams where it's, 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 it's slightly concerning, but probably not, you know, like Microsoft in its heyday anti-competitive stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, you want to talk about the internet juicer that everybody's mad about? <laughs> not really, but I feel like we should. Well, like let's let's broaden it out then. So, like ev- everything's an appliance that connects to the internet now. Like, how much how much is that? Uh, I remember when we went to that computer show thing. How much is that June oven thing? It's like it's over a thousand dollars, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. All right. Let's type in June oven. Click on the Google AdSense ad, so it costs some money. It's it's <laughs> as low as two hundred fifteen dollars a month. 
Oh God. Which means fourteen hundred and ninety-five dollars. Also, um, just just real real quick shout out to I, I'm I'm a big fan of um, strong headlines, and uh, the Bloomberg article that we'll we'll link to here in the notes is Silicon Valley's four hundred dollar juicer may be feeling the squeeze. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I I hate puns, but it's 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 it's, it's pretty good though. Yeah. Because it is really good, just because like that they they found out that you know let let's just try squeezing one of the, like these packs. And <laughs> it's totally fine, and you don't need this. I'm sorry, I, I don't. I keep conflicting. Like I don't know, is it four hundred or is it seven hundred dollars for this damn thing? Well, no. So so you're you're right to be confused. So it was originally seven hundred dollars, and then upon all this nonsense coming out, they. Um, well, I actually know. To, to be fair, this this was before all these stories came out, but shortly after it was released, I guess they they dropped the price from seven hundred to four hundred. Yeah. So apparently, like, so yeah, this is this is this was made by some guy who thinks he's the Steve Jobs of juicers, and, and he actually thinks that himself. So that's that's not a slam. That's actually what he thinks. Um, it took like one hundred twenty five million dollars of venture money to make a four hundred dollar juicer that um. That like venture capitalists love because it had a subscription component built into it because you have to pay like thirty five dollars a week for these eight dollar like juice packs, and they they made this thing that doesn't really actually do anything, and now the internet is losing their minds over it. Yeah, so so in the the Bloomberg test that we allude to here, they say that they were able to wring seven point five ounces of juice in a minute and a half, and that's compared to and that that was by hand. And that's compared to the machine yielding eight ounces, so half an ounce more um, in about two minutes. And the only reason I bring this up is because I'm going to send you the link to the, the best stuff, which is Darth had a couple of good photoshops out of this deal. One was just him as a, as a red panda doing the the little juicy thing, but also there was a crossover to this weird like four day limited edition unicorn frappuccino thing. So that's yeah. That was a weird. I, I, you know, Carlos, as as you know, I I like to think that I'm you know pretty pretty hip, and and you know pretty plugged into to what's what. But this this <clears throat> unicorn, nobody says what's what anymore. <laughs> Even I know that. Um, this this unicorn frappuccino thing was, uh, was weird. I I, I feel like it 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 like was over before I even knew like what happened. Well, I think that was a whole point, like, because like this is like Starbucks entering into like weird Starbucks territory, like like as a parody of themselves, where they're doing like limited edition four day like secret menu, like go buy your purple drink, seventy two grams of sugar thing, literally seventy two grams of sugar. I like oh anyway. So and also while we're on the um the topic of strong headline games, we'll we'll put this in the notes too. So this is the 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 Times article, um, not 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 the New York Times, but Time. Um, their headline oh, their headline no, is yeah, um, why the unicorn frappuccino is the drink America deserves. <laughs> And the, the I, don't, first, I don't know I don't know what that means and I don't want to well know. so the, so the first paragraph I think sort of gets at what the, what the title's alluding to so it goes whenever I'm feeling down about the world I drink poison not quick acting poison the stuff with a greater half life the kind of sugary delights that boil down into sludge but in the moment get my heart thrumming it's a short term fix that may also decrease my life's longer term 
that may also decrease my life's longer term. Weird sentence. So overall, I will need fewer short-term fixes. You know, a win-win. Yeah, that's what mimosas are for. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, this is kind of this kind of weird. But again, for for a country that has a seven hundred dollar juicer, like that's this is what we need. Or or an orange president. But I love oranges. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's a he's a Cheeto. He's not a. Uh... He's a cheetah that won't share his tax returns, so we can't see how uh, he will benefit from a simplified tax code that you can fill out on a postcard. Have you heard that you can fill out your taxes on a postcard now? And El Chapo is going to pay for it? Literally every time I see a picture of Paul Ryan, I can can just, I can feel myself tensing up. I'm surprised. Maybe that's Apple's strategy. Maybe they helped get Trump elected so that people would break more, uh, punch their max more and have a higher replacement cycle. It's somewhere Apple Care that way. <sighs> All right, that was that was it. So let's 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 wrap this up. This has been gone for a while. So I, I have a question for you. In this is a, a, an actual like cry for help. <laughs> so or not not cry for help, but like uh, like a brainstorming session. I, I need a, I need uh, you to help me uh, solution or something for this. Sure. So how do you how do you remember things visually? Like if like if for something that's not strictly text, like. Are are you somebody who screenshots a lot of stuff on your phone? No, I wouldn't say so. Huh. Do you use your camera a lot to take pictures of things you need to remember later? No. Okay, then I'm just insane. Okay. Hmm. So then do you just write everything down? Like how Yeah, do you... it, it becomes an action in OmniFocus. So you actually like sit there, take out Omni... Like rather than snapping a photo, you, you take your phone out, you open OmniFocus, and you take the 25 seconds to distill whatever it is into words yeah usually but i mean but a lot of times teach me this well a lot of times with omnifocus the workflow is you know obviously not worrying about a due date or a project but literally just getting it in the inbox so the inbox is, is sort of just the place for me that's like i just got to get this thing in here and i'll clean it up later and the same goes for the actual content of the action where it'll, it'll just be you know a, a few words and then when I actually have time to, you know, sit down and, and categorize it into a project and, and figure out a due date, I may also then go in and sort of flesh out exactly what the action is, too. Because as long as I've got, like, a few words around something, I can usually recall, you know, any additional specifics I may need. Hmm. Okay, well, that's not helpful. <laughs> that's actually really smart. But, I mean, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, for me, a lot of times, like, if there's either... Like, let's say there's a product I'm researching or um, like an interesting article or something I want to look up later or something I see in real life that reminds me like, you know, what? I need to go, I need to go buy this. Like I'm, I'm running out of whatever, or I want to remember this is the, like the, the type of whatever that I want to rebuy. Like I will either screenshot it or take a photo of it and then hope that I remember that it's in my camera roll and go back to it. No, that's the liter- I literally have a, a project in omnifocus that's just called shopping list well so, well so do i but again i i don't want to go to it i just want to take i don't know i'm i'm really not smart no you're smart you're just you're just lazy but the thing is and that's the problem where normally i used to have like i used to be very disciplined of it like that you know maybe like every other night i would go through um my camera roll delete any duplicate photos and kind of comb through all this stuff but i'm i'm getting way less uh good at that and, and i'm just kind of lost in as like to how to deal with like these what, I, what i'm coining visual to do's hmm. so i don't know if anybody if anybody has any strategies please let me know because the discipline of just writing it down is not 
<laughs> not cutting it. But but OmniFocus makes it so easy. It doesn't though. <sighs> okay. Well, because you had to tap things. I feel like this is a conversation that we would have had in reverse like two years ago. Well, yeah, the the, the students become the master. <laughs> Waxing on and such. Uh-huh. Um, see, I, like, and here's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm my camera roll. I have four things from today. God. That I, that I took a photo so of weird. or I took a screenshot of. Huh. And I, and I, have, a, I have something about the Freedom Caucus. What the hell is that? <laughs> delayed in the ship. All right. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I totally forgot that I had this too, but th- this is, and I, and I, and this is uh, partially why I sent you the, um, the elections odd thing. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a depressing. So you sent me a, a photo. Was that from the New York Times? It was. It was their their probability of Clinton winning the election? It was like ninety three to seven. Yeah, and then this popped into my uh, my feed today, and then I got, I just got sad. Mm-hmm. I miss the Obamas. Yeah. On the way to work today, I did see a lady with a bumper sticker on her car that said Hillary twenty sixteen. Um, Michelle Obama 2022 or something like that. And then it said uh, Chelsea Clinton and then Malia and Sasha. <laughs> they, they, they were implying that there would be uh, five women presidents in a row serving double terms and that we, we wouldn't have uh, a racist Cheeto as president. So I appreciate her optimism, mm-hmm. but her her little Subaru van that was taking too long at the <laughs> stoplight was, was, was not working for me. Uh, okay what were we talking about our better call Saul. do you want to do that real quick yeah we should we should do that it was good very good what happened well so we you know we, we kind of get the fallout from episode two where um, you know jimmy falls into chuck's trap he g- gets caught for the shenanigans he had pulled in the last season with you know messing around with the um what's the, what's the bank called vert Mesa Verde, Verde. yeah, Mm -hmm. they're um, filing documents, and so Jimmy actually he gets arrested. He goes, spends a night in jail, has a preliminary hearing. Um, There's some drama around whether Kim's going to represent him or not, but Jimmy is is insistent that he represents himself. Uh, We get a scene between Chuck and the prosecutor who's assigned to the case, and. At first, it seems like Chuck's going to be kind of a hard ass on him, but then at the end, he sort of alludes to wanting to come up with a solution that, you know, teaches him a lesson, but maybe goes a little easy on him. And essentially what they land at is, is interesting, which is, you know, basically Chuck wants to force Jimmy to give up his law license. So he'll forgo jail time, but essentially, um, in order to do so, he'll have to give up his license because he'll have to plead guilty. He'll, I think he goes on probation for a year. But then in, by, by pleading guilty to a felony, he's, he's got to write a letter to the New Mexico um, bar, and then they would certainly disbar him at that point. Um, <clears throat> and then I guess, you know, I was a little confused on this, but I, I guess sort of the implication at the end of the episode is that he's not gonna take the deal is that right no because because of all the things that it would actually mean because it's like an immediate admission of guilt um and and like pleading guilty to a felony but that doesn't have like criminal implications that he he was like screw that was my understanding yeah so he's he's, he's gonna he's gonna actually try to fight it 
Yes. Yeah. Because I think it's more just like personal now, just for like his brother trying to fuck him. And I guess, you know, kind of thinking about this in real time a little bit, I guess the implication is that he's going to win. Because he's, he's still a, a practicing attorney when we see him in Breaking Bad. He, I mean, he's a shady, as you know what, attorney. But I mean, as far as we know, he, he has his license still. That is true, because it's the same state and the time scale. Yeah. Suge- hmm, interesting Which, point. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, so I, I guess the implication is that he, he ends up winning, or something ends up happening. Hmm, yeah, that's good. And I think, you know, there's, so there's also, when Jimmy's getting arrested, there's this whole, um, whole scene, which is pretty powerful, between Jimmy and Chuck, and, you know, kind of Chuck is telling him that he's, you know, doing it for his own good, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Jimmy basically responds with something like, you're going to die alone. Yeah. You know, you know what I think is going to happen is that you're going to, yeah. Which I think is probably a fair bit of foreshadowing. Because, I mean, it's, 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 oh, you're not, not, not a fan of Chuck? He's been super shitty recently. Like, I, I understand, well, actually, it's probably just because I'm so sympathetic to, uh, to, to Jimmy, but because what he did was pretty terrible too, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess it's just all the perspective of, of who you find. But yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of Jim uh, of, of Chuck right now. No, he's too schemy. Um, and then the and the the Gus Fring and uh, Mike storyline is actually surprisingly. I was worried that that was um, forced on too early, but actually, I I very much enjoy how it's panning out right now. Yeah, so we we basically get sort of our first look at what it means for Mike to be Gus's right-hand man. And he, he kind of <laughs> kind of starts with like the kind of entry-level tasks, I guess. So he, he, he has to go through and he, you know, gets a, a thing of narcotics, I don't know, with some kind of drug, and then puts it in a shoe, throws the shoe over a electrical wire. Also, I, I enjoy that they didn't cut out or that, or that they left the five attempts that it took to get it up there. Right. Yeah, that was a good touch. Which is which is which is a nice um, counter to the famous scene in Breaking Bad where Walt oh, throws the pizza, the pizza on the yeah. roof, and, and he famously, um, Brian Cranston famously got that on the first try, mm-hmm. and then then they decided to keep it, which was pretty cool. Um, but anyway. Um, so Mike, yeah, Mike shoots the shoe once he gets it up there as a, a rival cartel's truck is driving by. And what happens is some of the drug is dispersed onto the truck so that when they then cross into the uh, the border, uh, a uh, drug-sniffing dog detects it. And then they, they get busted. And sort of the whole, kind of the whole reason why Mike ends up in the situation, which, you know, we're kind of given the context of now, which is, you know, Gus is a rival of Hector's. And, you know, Mike, Mike makes it pretty clear that, um, he's, you know, he's not, he's not done with, with Hector as, as he tells Gus. Although what I guess what I'm not really maybe clear on is exactly why Gus just, well, why he cares that Hector's alive. Do you, do you know, was that, was that clear to you? I think he's probably, actually, I don't remember. What was the relationship to... Did Gus and Tuco have any relationship whatsoever? Uh, I forget. Again, I, I said this last week, and I, I keep feeling it like 
it, all this makes me really want to go back and watch Breaking Bad so that I can actually remember all these connections. Yeah. But no, it it's yeah, it's it's really good. And and in the the part where um Mike says like he gives him the option and he, and of like what to do, like you can you can either leave him alone or you can help me um like attack another one of his his uh trucks as a competitor. And then Mike calls him back and says uh, like asks him like what he wants him to do cuz he's not done with him. Like that was a really good line. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's getting good. I'm 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 still very pleased with with this. It's it's still probably my my favorite show on TV right now. Oh yeah, my mine too for sure. I mean, it, it has wildly exceeded any expectations that I had going into the series. Yeah. So where do you think? Um, so what happens? Like, what's what's Kim's role going to be in this? For to not to change subjects, but to to look at the the Jimmy situation. Do she... you think they go? She's just going to hang out or is she going to be integral into his defense or him, his whole like proceeding here? I, I think she's going to be integral because I think that we're left with them kind of coming to an agreement that they want to work together on this, mm-hmm. which Jimmy, again, was sort of initially resistant to. But, you know, we were talking earlier about how it we might have gotten some foreshadowing about what's going to happen to Chuck. And, and we probably could have figured that out even before this last episode. But of all the characters that we've been introduced to who we don't see again in Breaking Bad, who I think it's most unclear of as to why we don't see them in Breaking Bad, it, it's definitely Kim. Like, it's really not clear what's ultimately going to separate her from Jimmy. And like, it really, at this point, like I, anything, you know, wouldn't surprise me. She could either just be separated from him she could end up getting mixed up in something with mike i i I don't know like i think anything's game and that's that's one of the things that's so fascinating about the show is introducing us to all these characters that we know aren't going to make it to the next series but we don't know why that is i think that that creates a lot of um uh, a lot of tension yeah i mean do you think she makes it past this season or do you think whatever is happening between um like the transition cuz i assume we see within a season and a half the transition from Jimmy to Saul and then probably a couple seasons after that no i Actually, see did we talk I, about this last week yeah we did and i, and I think we disagree i i don't think they're going to do that i i think the the transition to Saul do you think he, Saul, he stays Jimmy the entire run of the show i do hmm. and i think something like losing kim regardless of how that ends up happening i think that's going to be like potentially like a series finale kind of thing. Interesting. Cause I think we all thought that that's what the show was going to be was that this was going to be just, you know, Jimmy taking on all kinds of, well, Saul, I guess, as we, as we thought of him, like taking on a bunch of funny cases before meeting Walter White. And that's, which would have been the worst, which would have been the worst. And and, and this show is the, the furthest from that it could possibly be. And I, I think that that's sort of a, a cheap thing they could go to, but the show is so good without that, that I, I don't think they need to do that. Hmm. Okay. Well, that, that's a, yeah, it's a good uh, lens to look through the rem- remainder of the season. With. If, if I, if I had to guess and that this is just based on nothing, but if I, if I had to guess, I would say, We'll get this season, and then we'll get two kind of half seasons after this, and then that'll be it. Wait, so you mean just like one more, one more full season, like eight and eight, kind of how they did Mad Men? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. 
I, I, I think that's exactly how this will go. I don't know how the ratings are, but I assume they're going to stretch it to five. Like five 13 episode seasons. Wait, well, hold on. Oh, whoops. No, hold so then no, the third. Yeah. I, was, I yeah. keep forgetting it's the third. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly why I think hmm. that's the way this will happen. This, this will be our last full regular season, and then we'll get, we'll get two shorter seasons after this. I don't want that to be true, but that sounds plausible. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good show. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah. All right, it's getting late. Picks of the week? Yeah. So I've got one that sort of t-word-ish but not really and I, I i actually the timing of this is great with the whole juicero thing because this is actually a uh, a kitchen product that makes sense and i love so i i've had a um just a the, the world's most you know basic soda stream for about the last year and a half almost two years um and this last weekend there was a sale at good old william sonoma for on the soda stream power so this is the you know what looks like a regular soda stream but instead of having to you know pump anything or, or do anything manually you literally just press a button and one of three levels of carbonation is automatically put into the bottle and what's also great about this which i think is actually an even better feature is unlike the model that I previously had, you don't actually have to twist the bottle into the machine. You actually just snap it right in, which is also just tremendous. So you know, as a big SodaStream fan, um, cannot say enough good things about the, the SodaStream power. So I'm looking at their website. Did you get the, the Jet Black or, or White and Silver? We got the, uh, the Jet Black. Nice. Yeah, I mean, so do you um, do you enjoy SodaStream for the flexibility, or do you think there's a cost savings there? The, the, the flexibility. Okay. Do you do any of the flavorings or no? No. Okay. I've tried a couple of them, and they're fine, but I'm I'm perfectly content with just plain sparkling water. Got it. And how much do you end up getting out of one of these? Because like the two, uh, the the carbonation or whatever the CO two canisters, those. How long is that good for generally? Um, for us, it seems, I guess I've never really paid super close attention to it, but seems like a month-ish. Okay. Um, and what's actually kind of, another added bonus was that this SodaStream Power came with another carbonator. So I, I had bought an extra one shortly after getting that original SodaStream, but now we have three carbonators, which is, which is great. Hmm. It's pretty easy to swap them out, but you know, the longer I can go without having to do that, the better got it okay very cool yeah it's 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 awesome and this is not the penguin no the the, the penguin is the the basic one that, that i previously oh had. i thought that was the fancy one okay never mind i think let's let's look at i'm looking at their website now too oh no no you're right no the penguin is not not what i had i just had the the fountain jet yeah that's that's what we had Got it. Okay, cool. Oh, the, the penguin I've never seen before. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's the one that Dan Benjamin's always talking about. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it looks like a penguin. How about that? <laughs> yeah. All right, so my pick of the week is going to be a repeat pick of the week because it's now a time-limited pick of the week. So Capsule is getting discontinued, which is, which is still one of my favorite iOS apps for kind of logging what you do throughout the week and kind of seeing if, if you're if you're doing new things or not. 
Uh, so I think I recommended this probably uh, in the winter. But um, the team that makes it is discontinuing it and uh, probably moving on to other things. I don't think they've been like acquired or anything like that. But the app is leaving the App Store very, very soon. So if you haven't downloaded it, I'd recommend you download it now. It's a self-contained app that doesn't have like a back-end server component. So it should run for as long as you have it installed. Um, but yeah, it's it's still pretty great. But it's a bummer that it's not going to get developed anymore. So pour one out for Capsule. So... So I, I downloaded the app shortly after you made it a pick of the week. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't ever look at it. <laughs> like I don't know. I do, you didn't did you run it long enough to get like the weekly digests oh, sent yeah. to you? I mean, yeah, I've had it for. I'm looking at it here. I've I'm I've, this is week 17 that I've had it. Like when when you tap the little graph thingy there, and you just see like it's it's uh, how many hours did you spend at work? How many hours did you spend at home? How far did you travel? How many? Uh, places did you go? How many new cities did you visit? Like, I don't know, that kind of stuff's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's like critical information, but it's kind of it's like I, uh, automatic life logging, and I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm bummed because like there's so many few apps that again respect your privacy um, and aren't going to sell your data to Uber, and hopefully that's not what they're doing. Because the data never left your device. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a neat idea. I guess I don't know. I just it never, it didn't really. Yeah, it probably doesn't click for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have the sharks won the entire the the cup, Stanley? <sighs> I'm not even joking. I don't know what the results are. They 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 were eliminated. Oh, and they're playing the they were, they were Manitoba pl- something. <laughs> <laughs> Some Canadian team, right? They were playing the Edmonton Oilers. Yes. Okay. Um, and yeah, no, they, Aww, we, sorry, man. we, we went to, to game six last weekend and, and they, they lost and, and were eliminated. Oh, but okay. Oh, well, sorry. I did not intentionally mean to bring that up. That, that's okay. That's a bummer. Um, yeah, poor sharks. They've, they've, they've gotten, they've made the playoffs like the last three years, right? They just can never close the deal. Yeah. They've, they've won the most regular season games of any NHL team over the last five or six seasons, something like that. But they just can can never get over the hump in the playoffs. They were they were they were incredibly injured this year, though. So they had a so Joe Thornton had a torn MCL and ACL and was playing. Um, you're not going to know any of these player names, but just just go with <laughs> go with me here. They had Logan Couture who had gotten hit in the face with a puck, and now is going to have to basically have all of his teeth removed in the off season and replaced with you know fake teeth and he had like two fractures in his face and he and he was still playing they had another player Tomas Hurdle who had a broken foot who was playing they had another player Jonas Donskoy who had a separated shoulder who was playing I mean these are like pretty legitimate injuries that would keep you know players of any other sport out for months and these guys were playing so you know injuries are no excuse they're part they're part of the game but the man Oh man, these could all be made up names, and I would have no idea. Oh, that's that's a bummer. Because yeah, hockey, I, like hockey, is weird, man. I I, I hate on it only because I I take a strong stance against the like condoned fighting. Yeah, that's 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 not a big part of the sport anymore. But but it seems like it's got. Um, it seems like there's actually some athleticism in there. But it it seems like it's it's it like um like U.S. soccer. And you can tell me if this if this comparison's not apt at all. 
like just gaining that like wide acceptance is going to be really challenging. I mean, hockey, hockey is so much better than soccer for so many reasons, but that's, that's a whole separate podcast. Hockey can't end in a tie, right? Not anymore. <laughs> Wait, when did that change? A few seasons ago. Oh God. Well, that's, that's an improvement. Mm-hmm. Way to go. Major league hockey or <laughs> national. <laughs> What's the NHL? Sorry. Yeah. No, major league hockey is probably true. <laughs> MLH. Trademark. <laughs>